Welcome to the Reimagined Church Podcast with Pastor Robert Tanner. You can listen weekly on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasting. You can learn more about Reimagined Church by visiting us online at reimaginedpeople.com or by downloading our app for your Apple and Android devices. Now, let's join the service for this week's message. Here we are in this message. Uh, We are going to be basing this whole series off this one very short scripture verse, but it's out of John 8, verse 36. It says, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So do me a favor. I want you to stand up with me for a second. I'm gonna pray for all of you. And I'm glad it looks like there's a lot of you taking notes. I'm glad because... This is probably, I've said it last time I gave this series, this is probably gonna be the most important series I ever give because it has to do with freedom and we're gonna talk a lot more about that. But I want you to do me a favor, I want you to hold your hands out like this. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here right now. And Father, I pray for everybody here in the sound of my voice that's in this room or that's gonna be watching later online. Father, put them in a place, put their hearts their ears and their minds in a place to be able to receive everything you want to say during this season because I know that you want to set people free. Even people who don't think they need freedom, there's something you want to reveal. So in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of our Lord, I bind and I rebuke any lie, any scheme, of the enemy, any curse that's been placed over anybody throughout their life, no matter what's been going on, I command those to be rescinded right now. Any prayer that's been prayed over their lives that does not line up with Jesus in it, I bind it, I rebuke it in the name of the Lord. And Father, I ask you right now to set these people free. The enemy has been put in his place. He has to let people go so that they can receive everything you want to say to them and do in this Holy Spirit fall on everybody in this room right now and take Take them to another level of freedom that they've never in their wildest imagination thought was possible. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, so go ahead and have a seat. All right, okay. So we just read John 8, 36. I'm gonna read it to you one more time again. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Again, I cannot emphasize to you enough the importance of this series. And here's the reason why, because Satan is gonna do everything he can to keep you from hearing this series. Today we're going to go over some basics, some foundational stuff that we're going to continue to build on over the next nine weeks. But the enemy doesn't want you to hear this. He's going to do everything he can, whether he wants to attack you physically, simply make you more tired than normal on Sunday morning, whatever. He's going to use all kinds of things to convince you you should not be at church on Sunday. Don't let him win the battle. Fight through everything, everything. Now, if you get tested and you find out you have COVID on Friday, don't come to church, okay? Use common sense, all right? But don't just find practical excuses on why not to be here. I'm telling you, if you do, you're gonna rob yourself. You're not gonna rob me. You're not gonna rob the other people in the church by not being here. Now, people are going to miss something because we do need your fellowship, Because the body does encourage and lift each other up and build each other up. And that happens exponentially when we're in church together. It's not the same when you're sitting at home eating a bowl of Captain Crunch watching it on television later on. You're not going to experience the same thing. 
So be here. It's so important. You're investing in yourself and your spiritual health. But I really do believe this is probably the most important series I'll ever do that I've done and I'll probably ever continue to do. And I'll probably say that again some other time about another, some other series that the Lord really lays on my heart, okay? But here's why this is so important for you to be here and why Satan is gonna do everything he can to keep you from hearing this series, okay? Because he doesn't wanna get caught. He doesn't wanna get caught. And when a thief is caught, he has to restore everything sevenfold. And that's Bible, that's Proverbs. Thieves don't like to pay back. Most believers, here's a problem, most believers are not free indeed. And a lot of those believers who are not free indeed are standing in pulpits today because they don't believe believers can indeed be in bondage. This is so vitally important for us. When Jesus makes a statement in John 8, 36, he's actually speaking to believers. As a matter of fact, in verse 31, it says, who believed in him. So this is a message for believers, not for non-believers. This is for you and I. We're gonna answer some very difficult questions during the season, by the way. We're gonna answer questions such as, can a Christian be demon-possessed? The other question we're gonna answer is, can a Christian be in bondage? Those are two very important questions, especially if we're believers. Exodus 16 gives us some insight into the mindset of the Israelites. We talked about that a little bit in the last series. But it talks about their mindset. Is They've been released from Egypt, and here's what's happened. They've been out in the wilderness here just for a short period of time, and all of a sudden, they start to sweat. It starts to get a little bit uncomfortable for them. Those blowing sands, all of a sudden, with the winds, the sand starts getting up into their nostrils and the sand starts working into their sandals and between their toes. And it's not comfortable for them. It starts to drift up into their eyes, again, in their nostrils with every single step that they take. And this is supposed to be a place of freedom. But the heat and the air starts to just get into their lungs and and what happens is they start to have these conversations that says to each other things like, hey, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if we can just go back into Egypt again? And, you know, we, we had all the meat that we wanted. And some others say, you know, remember all the, the onions and the leeks and the garlic? We had, we had all this stuff. You see, here's the problem. In their current situation that they were in, they started to forget the reality of where they had been. They, they, they'd forgotten they had been slaves. And, and it wasn't as wonderful as they were suddenly thinking that it was. They might have had leeks and garlic and onions once in a while, but they were serving under the bondage of cruel taskmasters in extreme poverty. They were, they were in a, a very terrible, terrible place, but their memory of life in Egypt started to fade because of their current circumstances. But they labored from dusk to dawn every day. Every day. At one point, their children had been thrown into the Nile. But they're starting to long to go back to where they had once been. They'd forgotten that God had answered their cry and delivered them out of something. So, what about our present Egypt? Well, as Christians, we have a deliverer too, don't we? 
Jesus Christ because of the work that he did on the cross. He, he led us out of bondage and he's set us free. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians, it tells us the old has gone and we are now what? New creations. So we have this, this freedom in our lives that most of us, and when I say most of us, I, I, I am talking figuratively about possibly in this church building right now, but certainly within the kingdom of God, most of us um, seem to be stuck in our former lives. Uh, this unhealthy habits are hard to break sometimes, aren't they? I was thinking during worship, it was, I was kind of just going through some of the, the notes in my mind that, you know, when, when I look around our community, especially in our community here, we, we see a lot of people in bondage, don't we? We see a lot of people in, in mental bondage. And, and it's obvious because when, when somebody has some sort of mental illness, they're, they're, it's obvious to us. And, for, for often, and I haven't got to rehearse it. We live in this community. We, you all know what I'm talking about. But what's not as obvious sometimes is, is when it's not mental illness, but people are in bondage. And I'll tell you right now, here's what I mean by this. Most of the bondage that I've seen in this area since I've been here has been within the body of Christ. There's a lot of people that call themselves Christians and they're still living in bondage to their previous lives. That's a problem. That's a problem because it shouldn't be that way. So over the next four weeks, here's what I'm gonna do. I wanna explore with you this glorious truth, this glorious truth and this promise of being delivered from our bondages and the promise to be set free, set free completely, completely set free. Okay, so here's some spiritual truths that we're gonna be talking about in a, with real world implications. That's what we're gonna to start to focus on. The reality of being truly set free that you may have never thought of before. But here's what you need to understand. We can still be influenced by evil and we can still be even controlled by it. Even though we're believers, if we're not very careful. Even if you're saved. So during this series, here's what we're not going to do. We are not going to focus on evil. We're aware that it's there, but we're not going to focus on it. You're not going to hear unusual stories of the cruel and the unusual and weird. Okay, uh, We're not going to pull out examples from the omen or poltergeist Okay, or Friday the 13th, or any of these other crazy Hollywood movies. I'm not gonna tell you stories that are gonna keep you awake at night or sound like I pulled them out of some tabloid paper to read to you. Okay, we're not gonna be silly. We're not gonna be crazy. We're gonna, we're gonna clear the air of some deep misunderstandings. How does that, does that sound good? If we, can do, if we can just be normal, okay? All right, so here's what we're gonna do. Uh, we're going to focus on the goodness and the power and the truth of Jesus Christ and how God has set us free. That's what we are going to do. Jesus conquered death, hell, and evil. All of it. How he now reigns at God's right hand forever. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I want to talk to you. The name of this message is Open Doors. I want to talk to you about open doors. I'm going to give you two examples. Well, I'll give you mine first, and then I'm gonna tell you about another pastor's story he tells. When we lived in Texas, there was one Sunday morning where we had pulled out of the garage, and in our garage at our house, when you came off the street, you had to hook a left into it. The front doors 
the garage didn't face the street, so it was, it was a curve. So when we were pulling out, we'd back out like this and then come out to the street. So Julie gets in the car, I get in the car, we back out, and about the time I'm ready to put the car in gear and go straight, I hear, snake! Well, what happened was, between the time that I had opened the garage door, started the car going, and then we came out and get it, a snake came into the garage. Okay. It's curled up underneath the car. So I stopped the car, and just so you'll know, snakes are not easy to kill. I didn't realize they're like made out of rubber. Okay. I, I, I took, a, I, I took a, a spade, a shovel, and I had to hit that thing like three times to cut its head off. And then it bled all over the place. It's like, I don't have that much blood in me. So I had a mess I had to clean up later on. Robert Morris tells a story uh, about he and his wife. They had a house being built, and the contractor was very gracious to them. A lot of times you don't get to go into the house while it's being built because of liability reasons. But they had told him and his wife, you can come and check out the house. So one day after Sunday service, they got in the car and they went out to the house that was, had been framed in. And, and they were starting to work on the interior. But as they were walking around the house, suddenly Debbie looks over in a corner. In the corner, she, she sees something kind of dark and she walks over there. And what it was, it was a, it was a rattlesnake. Okay? And what happened was during the week, one of the workers had left the remnants of his lunch okay, in there, and the snake decided, hey, I'm going to go you know, cuddle up to that hard-boiled egg. So it, so it went in. Now, rattlesnakes are pit vipers. They're very, very dangerous. But what happened was, again, this, core work, this, this worker, this construction worker, had left this, this meal there and then left the door open to the house. Okay. What I'm trying to tell you is there are spiritual snakes of the same sort. And guess what? If we're not careful, the same problem can occur within us. These spiritual snakes, these unwelcome snakes are gonna slither into our spiritual houses and they're gonna cuddle up to anything they can. But they're dangerous. They're very dangerous. And they're not to be treated as friends. They're to be shown the door. They're to be shown the door. We, we do not play with spiritual snakes. But here's the good news. You and I don't have to lose the battle. We don't have to lose the spiritual wrestling matches because Jesus already did that for us. So you and I have to figure out, okay, well, if he's already won the battle, then how do you and I learn to walk this out and, and, and get free and never get into bondage in the first place. That's even better, wouldn't it? So in light of this, there's words that we need to deal with. And this first word I wanna talk about is demon. Demon. People shudder away from that word, by the way, especially in the church. But I want you to understand, it's a biblical word. So we're not gonna shy away from it. Mark 5, and I'm gonna read this whole thing right here. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs. In other words, this guy's living in the cemetery. I've lived next to a cemetery. Never lived in one. This guy's living in a cemetery. A man, now I was 14 at the time. I used to wonder, am I ever gonna hear this in the middle of the night out of my bedroom window? Yeah, I, just, I was like, oh, it just creeped me out, right? But that didn't happen, just so you'll know. All right, so anyway, out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, all right? This, this is one of the ways that the Bible refers to demons, unclean spirit. 
who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones." When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped. In other words, the word worship, it means he prostrated himself. He went flat on his face for him. He worshiped him. And he, now this is the demon speaking here. This is not the man, okay? Cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Again, we know this is a demon because guess what? Jesus doesn't torment anybody. So we know that we're talking about a demon here. For he had said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now in a Roman legion, a Roman legion had 6,826 men in it. This guy had 6,826 evil spirits, unclean spirits. Also, he begged him earnestly he would not send him out of the country. By the way, demonic spirits, they like to stay where they already have a stronghold. If there's a stronghold, they want to stay there. They don't want to go. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountain. So all, in other words, we're, we're talking about all of them now, all of these, all these demons, begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once, Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirit went out and entered the swine. So there were about 2,000, 2,000 pigs. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had a legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. You would have thought this would say about how happy they were. Wouldn't you? And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed. Now, we're gonna talk about that word completely during this message here, that phrase, demon-possessed, and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region, Again, you would think they'd ask him to start giving seminars or TED Talks, right? That's not what they're doing. So Jesus, we want you out of here. And when he'd gotten into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis. Uh, that, that Decapolis means it's a group of 10 cities is what it was. Okay, Philadelphia is one of them, not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay, but there were 10 cities and that's a Greek word for that. All that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. This is an amazing story. But there's a couple things out of this story I want to discuss with you. And here's point number one. First of all, demons are real. They're real. As believers, we need to be transparent and accountable to each other about our struggles and our weaknesses. Because it's with that relationship that we have, we start to walk out and get freedom. That's one of the ways, but here's the thing. Most of the people who are in some sort of bondage, 
don't usually recognize it themselves. It takes another person who they're in a relationship with to start to see the evidence of it and bring it to their attention. This is one of the reasons why we fellowship together. But I wanna help all of you because I wanna help you to avoid any kind of stigmatism or shame or, or anything like that that's associated with being spiritually oppressed because that does happen with people. Well, I, I, can't, I can't tell anybody that I've been under the influence of a demon. I'm a pastor. That would be shameful for me. I'm a group leader. Well, I've been serving the church for a long time. People look up to me. So there's this avoidance of perception from people. They'll sit there and say, well, Christians can't have demons anyway. Well, not me. It's you. It's, it's you. So it's easier to point the finger at somebody else. But here's the thing. Yes, you and I, we are responsible for our own sin. You and I have still got some, some things that you and I need to take care of. But there can be other factors that are at play that are trapping us in bondage. And that's what I want you to understand today. It might not just be, hey, suck it up, buttercup. You need to figure this out and start walking straight. We do have to walk out our salvation. We do have to uh, put ourselves in a place of being discipleship groups. So we start to learn and grow. We're being discipled. But there are other factors that can keep you trapped where the discipleship isn't going to pull you out of it. Not that alone. I've told you before about my own immoral life before I was saved and things that I did. And some, even some things as, as a believer, some of those behaviors didn't stop immediately. And that might be the same thing with some of you as well as you have problems you can't seem to get rid of. You're struggling. You, you, you might be dealing with unforgiveness. You, you, you might be struggling with bitterness. You might be struggling with anger or, or gluttony or, or despair. And you've been to all kinds of discipleship groups and you've gone to reimagine church every Sunday for the last 30 years and never missed one, but you're still struggling somehow. Every one of us have this this thing that we can possibly be in bondage to. And you want to break free, but no matter what you do, no matter what you try, you just can't seem to deal with it. Now, if this is your experience, if this is your problem, it could be the result of a spiritual oppression. And that's what I want you to catch today. One of Satan's greatest strategies is to fool people into thinking, all right, that his horde are just a bunch of cartoonish images. Casper the ghost. Or again, something you've seen in some Hollywood movie. Or that he's some little red imp with a, a pitchfork and, and a pointy tail. L laughable, but surely nothing that anyone should be ever be serious about. This is one of the ways he's deceived us. But Matthew 12, 24 says this. Is Satan is referred to as the ruler of demons. In other words, he leads the pack. You'll find out more about this later on. You know, God is omnipresent. Satan is not omnipresent. Satan cannot be everywhere at the same time. I've heard people say, oh, Satan came after me. No, he didn't. You don't warrant his attention. Jesus did. Jesus did. But what he does is he does assign demons over you. But this word demon... Let's talk about this. This word demon actually appears in scripture 82 times in the King James Version. It's 80 times in other versions, but simply because they used a different word to translate it. But it, it means the same thing. Um, the Gospels alone use the word demon 61 times. Now think about this. 
61 times. Jesus' ministry was 36 months. So you're pretty close to an average of twice a month, if you want to do averages, that Jesus talked about demons. 61 times he either dealt with them directly or he made reference to them. But in both the Old and New Testament, it shows up more often in the Gospels than anywhere else. And he said he came to set the oppressed free. So that Jesus was a man on a mission. By the way, nobody ever had authority over demons until Jesus came. They just ran amok until Jesus came. He preached the gospel, he healed the sick, and he cast out demons, which is exactly, by the way, what he sent his disciples to do in Matthew 10. He did it, and he gave his disciples instructions to do the same thing. Now, if you remember right, when they came back, what did they say? Whoa, even the demons are subject to us. So guess what? They didn't fight the demons. They cast them out. And we're going to talk more about that term subject as well later on. But scripture indicates that demons are fallen angels. They're fallen angels. They're actually disembodied spirits. Now listen to this. They're looking for a body. They're looking for a body. Before the dawn of time, there was this mighty battle between good and evil. And one third of the angels in heaven fell with Satan. And you're going to read about that in Revelation chapter 12, by the way, in case you're wanting to know where that is. That's the bad news. Let me give you the good news. Simple math. Two-thirds remained. We are on the winning side. You and I are on the winning side. He only got a third. We got two-thirds. Demons are real in Jesus' day. They're real in our day. And if we don't believe demons are real, then you and I, we're going to have to eliminate an awful lot of the Bible. An awful lot of it. One, lines, one line of thinking today by so-called uh, scholars, and I was reading about this again this last week, uh, Jesus, they'll say Jesus only pretended to cast out demons. He only pretended that they existed. And the school of thought behind that was that natural occurring physical or um, psychological issues were just uh, blamed on demons, and therefore, the, the answer was just to cast out the demon. But we're, we're really not dealing with demons. So what they're saying is Jesus went along with a practice out of respect for the religious leaders. That's the line of thinking. It's just crazy. Don't ever, ever get caught up in that kind of heresy. That's a complete desecration of Scripture. In the past, during the Dark Ages, let me, let me, let me explain to you even deeper how, what, they're, what they're trying to say here. Who's ever heard of bloodletting? In the Dark Ages, somebody gets sick, they would, they would just basically cut a slit into their arm and let, let them bleed out the impurities. As a matter of fact, uh, a lot of physicians now believe that Abraham Lincoln didn't die from the gunshot because they, they, they bloodlet him. He basically bled to death because they said the gunshot that he had completely survivable today. Bloodletting. What they're saying here is that, listen, and we know it was very dangerous, bloodletting. Obviously, I just mentioned Abraham Lincoln, okay? What they're trying to say here is that if Jesus was on, was on earth during the dark ages, he would have went along with bloodletting just because, you know, that was the belief of the day. It's just crazy. 
That, 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 that line of thought is just so silly. Here's what Matthew 8, 16 says. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirit with a word. Isn't it interesting there was no wrestling match? A single word. And healed all who were sick. Why would the Bible say he cast them out if he didn't? If they weren't there. Matthew 9, 32 to 33 says, And they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never seen like this in Israel. Matthew 17, 18 says, And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Mark 3, 14 and 15, Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and to have power to heal sickness and cast out demons. Mark chapter 6, 12, 13. So he went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Very clear. Very clear. C.S. Lewis, this is a quote from him. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive, unhealthy interest in them. Two people Satan gets very excited over, the skeptic and the superstitious. The skeptic and the superstitious. Some people will say, oh, pastor, let's, let's not talk about that. It's too spooky. And then you'll have other people say, oh, finally, now he's getting to the good stuff. If you're in either one of those camps, you need to bring it into the middle because you're off in the weeds now. You're in the wrong camp if you're in one of those two places. If you don't acknowledge the fact that you can be in bondage, you're never gonna get set free. You've gotta acknowledge that. Again, there's two camps. Some people would say, well, you just need uh, discipleship or you just need discipline. Uh, others uh, will say that if you can't stop this, you can't stop that, then everything has to be a demon. I, I, remember, I remember my father on this very platform saying, if you can't explain it medically, it's got to be a demon. I love him. He was, I, I disagree with that. It didn't take into account the flesh. Your will. Your, let me put this, here's what the Bible says, your stiff neck. It didn't take that into account. So here's the age-old question. Do you need discipleship or do you need deliverance? Yes. Yes, and here's why. You can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. You have to have both. They go hand in hand. Listen, if you're thinking right now, by the way, that you might uh, have a demon, here's the good news. I don't want you to get upset. If you feel like you're being attacked, don't get upset about this. You need to get excited because there's hope for you. Jesus came to set you free. You don't have to remain stuck. This is what he's saying earlier. And there's a lot of pastors who don't agree with what I'm saying today, and they are stuck. And people in their church know that they're stuck, 
but they just think, well, it's a personality disorder at best, and they're under the influence. The only people who I've ever seen that don't get free are people who don't believe that they can indeed be in bondage. Those are the only ones. The only ones. And some of those people, again, they're in ministry because they don't believe that their theology is simply bad. They don't believe that they can be in bondage. And again, they're stuck. Gateway, you know, at the end of this, this series here, Julie and I are gonna be leading a class called Kairos. It's gonna be uh, three hours in the evening on a Friday, three hours in the morning on a Saturday. It's called Kairos. And the purpose of Kairos, it's, it's very, into, it basically, we'll, we'll be sharing, you'll, you'll be, you'd be sitting if you are to attend this with, with notebooks, and you're gonna be filling in some blanks, but we're just gonna walk you through a process in which, as we're sharing with you, you're gonna allow for the Holy Spirit to start to bring some revelation to your mind and some remembrance of some things that you may have forgotten that's gonna reveal to you if there's an area of, of bondage in your life. And, then, and then the rest of it, we're gonna walk you through the process of, of, of how do you get free from that. And, and it's not silly, it's not crazy. It's something that's happening probably inside, so you don't have to worry about manifestation of falling on the floor and flopping all over like a fish out of water. There's none of that. But you're gonna get some freedom. Here's the reason why I'm telling you about this. One, because you're going to have that opportunity. Gateway Church requires all of their pastors to go through that course every other year. The reason why is because even pastors can have areas of their life that start to get, they've inadvertently opened up doors in their life again. They started getting some bad thinking. They started engaging some things that have opened up into their life. Gateway's very good at recognizing, hey, it doesn't matter if you have a pastor's title or not, you have the ability to open up doors and windows in your life that need to be closed again. And the same thing goes for everybody else. So that's our intention is to, is, is to do that class. As the church continues to grow, we'll do it, hopefully to a point, we'll do it every six months because there'll be so many people that need it. But the, 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 if you don't recognize that you need it, you're not gonna reach out for the help. And it doesn't have to be spooky. And it doesn't have to be weird. We, if we can get ourselves out of the way, but if you're in bondage, I got good news for you. I know who can set you free. I know him. I know him. So here's point number two. Demons really do enter people. So here's another D word for you. We talked about it already a little bit that we use in the church. It's called discipleship. Discipleship. Again, in, in many of these churches, discipleship is the only solution they have for life's problems. Discipleship, by the way, is you know, people should you know, read their Bible, should pray, and they should follow Jesus. And discipleship is a very good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. You should be doing that. And our church is gonna continue to develop more and more discipleship opportunities as we continue to grow. For a smaller church, we've actually got quite a bit going right now. With the rooted multiple identity camps, Okay, you just, uh, it, we're getting ready to do uh, battle zone, uh, mending the soul. The, the, these, are, these are not because Pastor Chris and I or, or Julie just have nothing else to do. So we're coming up with things that make you come to the church more often. There, there are other things we would rather do that are a little bit more relaxing. So the, but we're, we're called here to, just like Jesus called his disciples to heal the sick, cast out demons, 
so that people can actually start to walk in freedom. Freedoms they thought they couldn't get. But they find out, hey, it's, it's here for me. So that's what we want to do. Matthew 28, 18 makes it very clear. We're to go and make disciples of all nations. So we baptize them. We teach them all that God has commanded. That is discipleship, and it's very, very important. However, within the scope of Jesus' ministry, there's another D word. It's called deliverance. Deliverance. Praying, reading the Bible, following scriptures, following the teaching of Jesus are all good, but sometimes we need deliverance. We need to be released from the bondage of spiritual oppression. Jesus came to set us free. And a person can't be free if he or she doesn't realize that they're oppressed. I know I've said that several times now. I'm hoping you're getting it. (laughs) The third point of our vision statement, by the way, is to see people set free. It's hard to disciple someone into spiritual health if they're in bondage in the first place. That's the reason why set free actually comes before discipled. If you got a demon lying to you, if, there's, if you're under, under bondage in your mind, you're not gonna be able to hear the discipleship truth because his voice, its voice in your ear is gonna be a little bit louder because you've, you've lived in a world that shouts at you. And demons love to talk a lot. We may be born again. We may know God's word or even called into full-time ministry. That can happen for each one of us. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're automatically going to be free. In fact, achieving and maintaining freedom, I talked about this a second ago, requires attention, effort, and vigilance. This is the reason why you have to invest in yourself. You have to take advantage of the groups that we're offering. When we do Kairos, you need to take advantage of that. You need to come on Sundays. Take notes. Go, go, to, the, go to the fault class afterwards and discuss what did you hear. Because it's possible that maybe, uh, like Pastor Chris was sharing, he said something last week and you may have misunderstood it. But you know, in, that, in the context of that group, guess what? Somebody's going to say, ah, oh, gosh, I don't know if that's what he meant. And then when, when you start talking about it, you're, you're going to realize, oh, Okay, that, that clears it up a little bit for me. That, that's what we do. Is iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Galatians 5.1 says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And, and here's why people don't think that we can go into bondage. He says, And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So there's a scripture tells you right there, even as a believer, you can be doing a lot of these spiritual exercises and stuff and still open yourself up to something that puts you in bondage. Again, if, you, if, if, if you're dealing with it, it's a, being demon possessed doesn't mean you're going around always looking like you're doing really weird things. It can simply be something, a, a thought that circles in your head about a sin earlier in your life that you just keep over and over and over again. And, and, and you'll know it because you, you, you feel dirty. You'll, you'll, you'll still continue to feel shame. It might be something that somebody has said to you about your identity. You wouldn't use the word identity, but you think I'm less than, or I've got this issue, and you cycle it over and over. These incorrect thoughts 
that come into your mind because the enemy has planted them there and you're under bondage to it and Jesus wants to set you free from that as well. See, again, when we think about demon possession, we think about women speaking in a guy's voice or something and it's just like, <laughs> we, we, we need to get that out of our head. It's not that it can't happen, but most of the time you and I are in bondage simply to our thoughts. And it will start to play out in areas of our life, but to other people, it doesn't look silly. At best, you just look like you're an idiot, you know? Because like, why do they keep saying that and doing that stuff? You know, why do they keep treating me that way? What they would understand is because you're in bondage to a demonic spirit. Because it's a lie that you believed. Part of the freedom process is unpacking the lies. Every sin starts with a lie. Every one of them. You believe something that's not true and you act it out on that. Matthew, uh, Matthew uh, 4 in Mark number, uh, chapter number 1, uh, this word uh, is, is used to describe people that Jesus healed. So here's another D, D word, and I totally want to talk about this. Demon possessed. Again, huge area of misunderstanding. The Greek word for demon possessed is demoni zomai. Demoni zomai. Demoni meaning demon, zomai meaning possessed. The, in the English, we translate it as to own it to own it. But zomai is actually used very, very infrequently in scripture. And it actually does not mean ownership. It means to have mastery over or to gain control over. That's what that word means. To give you an example out of Luke chapter 21, and I did not give you this verse, so don't worry about trying to put it up there. This word zomai is actually used. It says, by your patience, possess your souls. Jesus was not saying you need to own your soul. He owns those. What he's saying is here, you need to gain control over your souls. That's how it's being used. I realize when we hear this phrase, again, <laughs> demon possessed, all kinds of red flags go up in our heads because of misunderstanding, bad theology in church, or something you watched in a movie because we know that Hollywood is the ultimate authority on everything, Right? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe a better, more helpful way of thinking about the word demon possession is as a demon is gaining power or influence over you. I'm gonna give you some more examples. Uh, influence from the outside in that this tempting and this badgering and shaming about even already confessed sin. All right. Influence on the inside, actually causing people to think and act in certain ways. That is one of the things it can do. Some scholars insist that Christians can't be influenced by a demon because the Holy Spirit indwells them. Have you ever heard that? Okay. I'm going to show you in this series, theologically, it's not true. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you in Scripture at least two places where Satan and his demons are standing right in front of God's throne. And you'll hear people say, oh, but that, they, they can't survive in God's manifest presence. Hey, can I tell you something? You can't get any more manifest presence than right in front of his throne. But I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show you in scripture where God actually has a discussion with the demon. They can't. And by the way, think about this. God is omnipresent, right? It means he's everywhere all the time. It, so if God is omnipresent, and demons exist anywhere in this world, guess what? They're where God is. 
So that, that argument doesn't hold any water. Christians, by the way, I will say this, cannot be owned by a demon. No way. No way. And there's one simple verse that will tell you that. You and I have been purchased with a price. Ownership is one place and one place only. So they cannot own you. So that should take stigmatism away from you. That, that should encourage you. You're not owned. Ownership belongs one place. Uh, Lunida uh, defines it this way. It says, one cannot speak of a person being possessed by a demon. A more appropriate expression may be the person possesses the demon. It's the opposite way around. The demon, another way of saying it is the demon rides the person. Or the demon commands the person. Ephesians chapter four talks about uh, that we live by the flesh. We can give place, sometimes actually translated, we can give foothold in our life to a demonic spirit. I'll talk more about that in a message called Open Doors. You and I open those doors. Whether the influence comes from the inside or it comes from the outside, we're never called to be weird or unbalanced in these matters. That's the reason why this message out of the series is so important. I'm trying to bring all of us back to a base level of understanding so we get all the silliness out of our head and start to walk in truth. We're called to have this balance of discernment and responding with authority to strongholds and demonic spirits while at the same time helping others to recognize the fact and accept their own responsibility for their behavior. There's a balance there. We need both discipleship and deliverance. They go hand in hand. You gotta have both of them. Again, you can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. It has to be both. So I'll give you a couple of illustrations here and then we'll go to point number three. Um, imagine all of you, I hope this doesn't happen to you today. If it does, <laughs> I didn't set it up. You, you go home today and you find a burglar in your house. You find a burglar in your house. Let me ask you something. Does he own your house? But he's in it. He's in it, but he doesn't own it. Think about a drunk man or somebody who's on drugs, okay? Is he owned by the, if, if, if you go home and, and, and you know somebody, they've been drinking all morning long instead of going to reimagine church, okay? Uh, and now they're, they're lit three ways to heaven, okay? Um, could, could you imagine a, a person like that? Let me ask you something. Does the alcohol own the person? But it's in him. It, it has influence, it's, it's controlling them, but it doesn't own them. It's the same thing with a demonic spirit. A Christian man engaging in pornography, I want you to understand something. You're opening a door to the enemy and you're going to be influenced. You're gonna find yourself under that influence. A Christian woman who is not Seeking to forgive someone, you're opening a door to a demonic influence in your life because you would rather keep the list of all the wrongs that person did. And you're gonna keep that list until they pay for every single one of them. The problem is they're probably never gonna pay for it. You're gonna pay for it, every one of them. 
until you let that go. Doesn't mean you, I'm gonna say something else to you. I had a conversation with somebody last week about this whole topic of forgive and forget. The Bible does not call you to forget. Nowhere in scripture does it tell you to forget what happened to you. As a matter of fact, I would submit to you that you would have to be a moron to forget something critical that happened to you. Of course you're not gonna forget it. But you can forgive the person behind it so that you don't walk in the bondage. But we're expected to learn from the things that happen to us. Now, I've heard people say, oh, but, but God says he forgets. He, lives in, he buries him in the depths of the sea. Okay, you need to understand something. It's not, uh, God, again, he's omniscient. He's all-knowing, right? So how can he unknow? It doesn't mean that he doesn't remember cognitively. What he's saying is, I'm not gonna bring that up to your account anymore. It's done. That's back there. Of course he's capable of remembering it because he knows all things. But he's not gonna bring it up to your account. It's gone. It's gone. But I just want you to remember, please understand, you don't have to forget. Please learn from the things. But just don't live in that past. That, that, that's part of the forgiveness side of it. It's in other words, I'm not gonna equate that person with that event. That's up to the Lord to deal with. Because here's point number three. Jesus really does cast them out. Yeah, good news. Luke 10, 17 says this. Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, really? No, he didn't really say that. Okay. I, I saw, and he says it. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. By the way, these, again, these are types and shadows. Again, he's not literally talking about, you know, snakes and stinging creatures, okay? He's, we're talking about demonic forces here. And all over the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, oh, Luke chapter 10, 20 says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names I have written in heaven. I want you to notice that word subject. That word subject, it means obedient, submissive slaves. Please, please get that in your head. It's something I'm very aware of when I'm dealing with people and I'm trying to help someone, trying to walk them through a, th a freedom session. This is the reason, I'm not gonna elaborate too this much because I'm, I'm gonna get into some theological stuff here that, that people are, are gonna have a hard time understanding. Listen, when, when, you're, when you're walking somebody through freedom, if they have to be obedient, submissive slaves, then why the fight? Why the fight? And I've heard people say, but I've seen when people get in deliverance, man, the people fight back and they do this and they do that. You know why? I would submit to you the whole reason why you will see demons acting up is because the person casting them out does not know the authority they have and the demons have to be obedient, submissive slaves. So you know what the demon's doing? You think I'm gonna fight? Okay, I'm gonna fight because you just gave me permission. Here's what the demon's saying. You don't know the authority you have. You don't know that I have to shut up and leave. And because you don't know it, I'm not gonna do it. This is the reason why when you, see, again, you see things on television, you watch movies, 
Freedom, and that's, that's the term that we use here, freedom. We don't talk about deliverance, even though I just mentioned it here in the scripture. Well, uh, the term that we use here is freedom, freedom ministries. And this is the reason why I don't let people ever get spooked out or weirded out when we start talking about deliverance for, for you. It's not going to be that silly stuff that you're used to seeing. I promise you. And you're going to be just as free without the theatrics. And I use that word very carefully. I'm not trying to shame anybody. And by the way, if somebody has a dissent, if they disagree with me and they have a different theology, that's okay. You, you go ahead and think and feel differently. I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody. But I'm telling you about the authority you and I have. Take advantage of the authority that God's given us. And like Jesus said, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your lives, that your names are written down in heaven. What he's saying, listen, just rejoice in what I've done for you. That's what you should be celebrating. That other stuff right there, that's just extra. But we, 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 we always draw attention back to Jesus. Luke 10, 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things, remember this term, these things, from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. In other words, young disciples. In other words, new converts. Even so, Father, for it is, for so it seemed good in your sight. These things, what are they talking about here? These things uh, about authority over demons. What he's saying here is, I know God that smart people don't think that anybody can have demons, but these new people you gave me, they do. They get it. They, they understand. Even though the smart people, the religious leaders don't believe this, these new children you gave me, they get it. That's what he's thanking them for, these new believers. So you have two choices. We can either leave them in or we can cast them out. The choice is ours. You either grant them permission or you show them the exit sign. And just stand up with me. I'm going to close with this. Here's what I want you to get. I don't want you to get depressed about what we're talking about. I know the enemy attacks and he shames you. He does it with all of us. He makes us feel like there's no hope for you. There might be some of you in this room that are feeling this way right now. Jesus can help. And you're going to think Jesus can help others but not help you. But I want you to go back and look at that verse again. This guy had a legion. He had 6,826 spirits. He was walking around naked in a cemetery. None of you, none of you are in bondage to that level. You know how I know? You all have your clothes on. <laughs> so if you can do it for him, he can do it for you. Thank you, by the way. Just let me add the thank you, okay? Mark, Mark 5, verse 6 says this. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him. Listen, nothing can stop you from being set free. Nothing. Nothing. If you have a bondage in any area of your life, if you have a weakness, if you have an area of sin in your life and you can't stop, you're probably simply in bondage and under influence in that area. It's very, very simple. But Jesus can set you free. And we're all gonna learn how to walk in that freedom.
we're, we're gonna talk about it a lot for the next 10 weeks. Don't miss this series. I know there's got to be at least a couple of you in here that have been dealing with something your whole life. And most people might even think, gosh, that's not, that's not significant at all. What are you worried about? But Jesus wants you to be free. He wants to show you something else at another level you've never understood. It's not spooky. It's not weird. It's not silly. And there's nothing to be afraid of. Why don't you close your eyes? Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody here right now. Father, I pray that people in this room and who are gonna watch it online later on, I pray, Father, for freedom for every single one of them. I pray against the lies of the enemy that might make them think, well, that's just not me, or I don't wanna pay the price I'm gonna have to pay in order to get that kind of freedom. Father, remind them there's no price for them to pay. You paid it all. You paid it all. So Father, you took the shame on yourself. You took the condemnation on yourself. Father, set minds and hearts free right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Those who are gonna be praying for some people, I want you to come up front right now if you would. If you need prayer for anything, come up and let somebody pray with you right now. Don't leave here thinking, well, gosh, maybe next week. If it just came to your mind, I'm telling you the Holy Spirit wants you to to deal with it now. We're not gonna post on Facebook. We're not gonna take a video of you and put it out there on social media. This is a one-on-one with you and another person to agree with you on whatever that is. I don't care if you feel like you're under the influence of something. I don't care if you feel like, well, you probably know if you need money. (laughs) If you need a job or your marriage is in trouble or some other relationship, whatever it is that you need prayer for. If you're a student and you're stressed about something coming up, let somebody pray with you. Let us agree with you because we have authority over everything. So let us come in agreement with you in Jesus' name. Father, again, I just pray for everybody here. Bless them. Father, solidify what they've heard today in their heads and in their hearts so they can start to walk out in everything you had for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We would like to ask you a simple question. What has God spoken to you today? And how would he have you respond? We would sure love to hear from you. You can reach out to us with your prayer requests, your comments, or your questions at reimaginepeople.com and by clicking the Connect tab. We would also like to invite you to join us again next week for another encouraging and inspirational message from Reimagine Church.